If you don't know me, my name is Danielle. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Unlimited Church. And three weeks ago, Pastor Linda spoke on the presence of the Holy Spirit. And over the last two weeks, Pastor Sean has spoken on the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I have to confess, I was at the city location last Sunday and Pastor Sean was running a little bit late. And I started in the front row feeling very nervous that I might have to come up with a message on the filling of the Holy Spirit um, off the top of my head with no uh, preparation. So I'm very relieved that he turned up. If you didn't see that message, it is definitely well worth going and finding later. So who here doesn't love receiving a gift? Anyone who doesn't like getting a gift here? No, everyone likes gifts. Birthdays, Christmas, anytime we start planning. I know one of my daughters actually likes to write a list of what she would like to receive as a gift. I won't mention names of who that is. Um, but they start planning a list earlier in the year of what they would love to receive. And I don't know how much we actually desire God's gifts. Um, we, he has many gifts available to us. And so even though we've been talking about spiritual gifts over the last uh, three weeks, I will talk about the various gifts, not just the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I'll break it down and talk about a few different types of gifts. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So first of all, we've all received a gift. Secondly, they are for serving one another. They're not just for us to keep. So the Bible refers to many different kinds of gifts, including ones that are mentioned individually like hospitality or administration or craftsmanship. But today we're going to focus on three different sets of gifts. First is the gifts given to us by the Father. Second are the gifts of the Son, Jesus Christ. And third are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the first set of gifts are the gifts from the Father. They're also known as the motivational or the grace gifts. If you've heard of those names, that's all talking about the gifts from the Father. In Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, it says, In His grace, God has given us all. Again, there's a thing we all have been given these gifts. Different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness or mercy to others, do it gladly. Now, these reflect who you are as a person. I hope that when you look at that list or that verse that you can recognise at least one of those things that you know is a gift in your life. They're gifts each one of us is graced with in our mother's womb. Everyone has at least one of them, every single one of us. And every one of these gifts is immensely important to God's plans. These gifts help define our role in this world and they should be used to help all of those around us, not just here at church, but in our families, in our workplaces, in everywhere that we go. If you put on a pair of sunglasses, it will colour everything that you see. And it is the same with your motivational gifts. Who you are colours your responses to situations. If you're an encourager, you are always looking for the good in every situation. If you're a teacher, 
you're always looking for what you can be learned and how things can be improved in the future. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to work as a teacher, as your profession, if you have the gift of teaching. So don't confuse the profession of teaching with the gift of teaching, although it is very useful if you have the gift of teaching if you want to be a teacher. In my case, some of you may know that I was formerly a qualified primary school teacher. But whether I'm in a classroom, in another job, or at home with my family, I have a natural inbuilt desire or ability to see people discover something they didn't know before, to help them grow or build on knowledge or skills they already have, to achieve something they didn't think was possible. When I see the light come on for someone, when I see them overcome an obstacle that they didn't think they could cross, it gives me great joy. And I can think back through many years of things where because I have that desire to teach someone something, that it just happens naturally in what I do. You might have that in a different gifting. So this is when we know that it's not just a job, but a gift from God. When it colours the way we see things and how we respond in different situations. Now, as we walk up into the cafe after the service, and I hope that you do all come and join us in the cafe after the service, we will start to see all of these different gifts in operation. So if you do go up in the cafe today, have a look with different lenses in. Have a look at people from what giftings God has given them. If they are a perceiver or a person with a gift of prophecy, they could be thinking, well, I'm talking with this person. I get the sense that something more is going on for them at the moment. I don't know if I'll get the chance to talk to them about that, but at the least I'm going to pray for them. That's a person who has that perceptive or that gift of prophecy in their life. If you see someone who has the gift of serving, they're often the ones who will jump in and help make the coffees, set up the morning tea, make sure the tables get wiped down afterwards. Now I can think of many people who do that. And if you see people doing those things behind the scenes, it's always important to take the time to appreciate them because they're very rarely the people that you see up the front, but they love to serve behind the scenes. And we wouldn't do what we do without them. If someone has a gift of teaching, they could be up in the cafe talking to someone after the service and realise that person's struggling with a concept that was mentioned in the message. Now, they're not going to give them another sermon up in the cafe, so don't worry about that. But they might ask questions to clarify, you know, what that person is struggling with and what their understanding is. They might share something that they themselves have learnt recently about that topic. And they might also recommend things like a devotion or a book or, or uh, you know, a course that might help them develop or overcome those challenges they're having in that area. If you see someone who is an encourager, they see the small things that people do and celebrate them. Now, I am going to mention a name here. Many of you will know Thelma, and I don't know if she's in the room here today. But she recognises that she has the gift of encouragement and she's obedient to use it wherever and whenever she can. Not only will you see her chatting with people and encouraging them in the cafe after the service on a Sunday, But midweek, she comes down to Canberra City Care and talks with people there. She's an encourager among her friends and her family. She's an encourager on her social media online, if you happen to follow her social media. And even recently, she was invited to be interviewed on One Way FM. And during that time, there was many encouraging things she had to say for those listeners. It's not just about encouraging them as a person, but she encourages and stirs them up in their faith. If you meet someone in the cafe after the service who is a giver, 
they're often the ones who easily offer to help with finances or resources. It could be something as simple as offering to buy someone a coffee after the service when they're buying their own coffee. But it could be something more, like offering to pay for someone to go along to a conference, offering to loan a car, offering to make meals without expecting anything in exchange. If a person has the gift of leadership, they often see and act on things that others don't notice. They can feel a sense of responsibility for God's people and God's house. If they're a leader, they may come up into the cafe after the service and notice that someone needs to be at the guest lounge because there's new people hanging around. At the same time, they also realise that the music is a bit louder than usual in the cafe and the heating doesn't seem to be on. But rather than just noticing it, they usually take the initiative to see if they can find someone to help in these areas to take the pressure off. If a person has the gift of mercy or compassion, they might see a child crying out on the playground during morning tea. They'll go and sit down with them, pull out a tissue to wipe their tears, and they'll arrange to put something over the scrape on their knee and ask another child to go and find their parent. The beauty of these gifts is that it is correct from each person's perspective. It's God's most clever design that we actually need each other to be whole to minister effectively. No one of those gifts is the better gift or the right gift to have. They are all needed. And this is why Paul talks about the different parts of the body in 1 Corinthians 12. Just as our eyes, our hands, our toes, our lungs, all the different parts of our body are needed to perform different functions in the human body, so too are the spiritual gifts within each of us needed and important for the body of Christ to work as a whole. They should all be encouraged and celebrated. But I encourage you to look in the cafe after the service, look in your workplaces, look in your homes at the different ways that people operate and celebrate those different gifts that we all have. The second set of gifts we'll look at today are the gifts of Jesus, also known as the church gifts. You might have heard the terminology, the fivefold ministry or the ascension gifts. And these are mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, these are special anointings for the benefit of the worldwide church. As you can see in that message, it says, so that the body of Christ may be built up, not so that this church is built up, but so the body of Christ is built up. This is not just about an individual church. Not everyone has one of these gifts. They are major leadership gifts. So let's take a brief look at each one of them to get a little bit more of an understanding about them. So first of all, the apostles. Now, they can be a little bit difficult to define. There's lots of questions about apostles and what they are and, and all of that kind of thing. But they exercise great wisdom and authority. And they're not necessarily just in the leadership of their own church. Pastor David Hall said that Pastor Sean's leadership as part of the National Executive of Australian Christian Churches provides apostolic input to our movement as a whole. Peter and Paul in the Bible had apostolic anointings to not just plant churches, but to encourage and nurture churches. 
Some of you may have heard of Pastor Andrew Evans, who passed away recently, and he is a great example of an apostle. At his funeral earlier this year, his sons described him as a great builder of churches. In 1970, he took on a small church in Adelaide and saw it grow into the thousands over the next three decades. At the same time, in 1977, he became the national president of what we now know as the Australian Christian Churches. And he held this role for 20 years. He was known as a man of humility and integrity, and yet he provided support and guidance to tens of thousands of people throughout his life. In the words of one of his sons, Pastor Ashley Evans, he was an exceptional leader, a pioneer of team leadership. He was a hero to the people, known for his unwavering dedication to their well-being, his genuine care for his others and his firm belief in the power of faith propelled him forward, making him a force for positive change. Apostles can often be the quiet achievers, but are acknowledged by leaders without ever needing to promote themselves. The second major leadership gift is that of a prophet. Now, there is a spiritual gift of prophecy that we are all encouraged to eagerly desire, and we'll talk about that shortly. But in the ascension gifts, it is the office of a prophet, for the life role of speaking into and bringing God's voice to the church. A prophet is basically a spokesman for God. No pressure there. He or she delivers the word of God to people by means of direct revelation. Prophets discern God's direction for the church. It can often be quite a lonely job because they see things either six months or six years ahead of everyone else. They see where God wants things to be, not where they currently are. Many of you will know Pastor Corey Turner, who has visited our church on a number of times from Numa Church in Melbourne, and he has an anointing for prophecy to build up the whole church, which is different but obviously overlaps with the spiritual gift of prophecy. Some of you know, may know Pastor Tim Hall as well is another example of this type of gifting. Of all the gifts mentioned in the Old Testament, only the office of the prophet is singled out for death if their words did not come true. Like I said, no pressure at all. Why? Because a prophet claimed to speak the very words of God and therefore had a great influence over the people. In the Old Testament, kings did or did not go to war based on prophetic words. So there was a real weightiness to this gift and it was a responsibility to not abuse it or take it lightly. The third of these gifts is the, for the benefit of the world. Uh, sorry, try that again. The third gift for the benefit of the wide world church is that of the evangelist. Now, if you're like me, I cringe when I hear the word evangelism. I think, oh, I don't think, I don't think that's mine. But don't worry, this is one for the whole church, although we are all encouraged to be confident in sharing our message. The overriding concern for this evangelist is for the lost. They're always speaking about the love of God. Evangelists can sometimes struggle with administrative tasks and things that keep them sitting behind a desk because that wastes precious time when they could be out saving the lost. Two great examples that all of us should know are Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonnke. We are all called to evangelise. We are all called to have our story ready and explain the reason for what we believe. But these men were set apart for a life's work of evangelism. 
all churches are susceptible to introspection and making sure church is right for us in here. But evangelists keep us focused on God's mission outside the four walls. And it's important that we have people with this gifting among us. The fourth gift is that of a pastor. Now, in Pentecostal churches, the use of the word pastor for anyone who runs a church can cause some confusion about what we should expect of a person with this title. Many pastors of Pentecostal churches do not have this gift as their primary church leadership gift. Pastors enable cooperation and bring function to a church. They relate well to people and bring out the best in them. They ensure things are managed well in a church to meet both the need to worship God in good order and to build up and support the people. And the final church gift is that of a teacher. And they bring God's people to maturity. They eat, sleep and breathe the word of God. They have a way of communicating that makes sense of God's word, encouraging and challenging people and inspiring them in their life with God. Now, all of these gifts are given to establish a strong, mature body of Christ. They may not necessarily be each of these gifts in any one church at any one time, but the Bible says they are to build up the church. That's why Pastor Sean enables and encourages a variety of people known in these giftings to speak into our church and into his life. The third set of gifts I want to talk about today are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which ties in with what we've been talking about the last few weeks about the the Holy Spirit in general. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 11 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Again, each of us and helping each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, these gifts occur when God supernaturally anoints us with a gift or gifts of the Holy Spirit to accomplish his purpose. Sometimes these are one-off anointings. Other times a person might operate in these gifts on a daily basis. So do we all have access to the gifts of the Holy Spirit? If you've already been baptised in the Holy Spirit, then these gifts are available to you. If this is something you want to do today, there'll be time at the end for you to come forward and be prayed for baptism in the Holy Spirit. If the fullness of the Holy Spirit resides in you, then we all have access to these gifts. But the outworking of the gifts is individual according to the Holy Spirit. When Jesus healed the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, he operated in the gift of healing, but only for that one person as the Holy Spirit directed. 
If you have a gift of healing, that doesn't mean that every person you come across is going to be healed automatically. It is really to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and what he's asking you to do and when. The pool area where this happened was considered something of a hospital. An angel of God would at times come and stir the water and the first person who managed to get into the water would be healed. Jesus healed only this one man, even though the place was full of sick and disabled people. Jesus listened to the voice of his father and only did what he commanded. Exercising a particular gift does not make us better or more spiritual than the next person. In fact, it's humbling to think that we actually have nothing to do with it. Then all we have to do is be willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. All of these gifts are supernatural. They are not the products of our reasoning or our hard work. There's nothing we can do to make these things happen. It is a gift from God and from the Holy Spirit. So if we look at the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, we can see that they can be broken down into three areas. The first three are gifts of discernment. They're the eyes of God, wisdom, knowledge and the discerning of spirits. Now, the gift of wisdom is a profound insight into a person or circumstance that brings resolution. Some of you will recall the story in the Bible when Jesus disarmed the group who were about to stone a woman by saying, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And immediately they all were confronted with the the question of whether they were in a position to judge this person. Or you might know the story about Solomon who suggested that they divided a baby in half. Now, I don't think he really wanted them to divide a baby in half, but the way he went about it actually brought a good resolution because the mother who cared most dearly was the one who was prepared to let go of it in order that the baby would be saved. That's where you see that gift of wisdom where God gives you an ability beyond what you might naturally know how to do in how to work out a solution or resolve a situation. The second one is the gift of knowledge and it is a specific piece of information that was not already known to you. For example, when Jesus met the woman at the well, he already knew that she had five husbands and was now living with someone else. No one had told him that it was information that he had received by the Spirit. He had God-given insight or knowledge of her circumstances that would otherwise be impossible to know unless he was familiar with that person or the situation through other means. The spirit of sorry, the discernment of spirits is the ability to distinguish the origin of something as human, demonic, or divine. Jesus used this when he said, Get thee behind me, Satan, to Peter. It wasn't Peter himself that he wanted to get behind him. He he discerned that there was a spirit coming through what Peter was saying that was not a good spirit. The devil uses subtle closeness to God's word. And it's times like this where we need to ask for God's discernment or the Holy Spirit to give us discernment to know what is of God and what is not. The next three gifts of the Holy Spirit are the gifts of power. And this is when you see the hand of God in a situation through faith, healing and miracles. The gift of faith is a mountain moving surge of confidence in what is about to happen and to come to pass. We all have faith. It's a basic belief in God. But the gift of faith is a supernatural assurance that enables an action. 
For example, we see this in the story of the Roman officer in Matthew chapter 8. He goes to Jesus asking for healing for his servant. And he doesn't feel worthy to have Jesus come to his home, even though Jesus offers. But he knows without a doubt that Jesus can heal his servant without even coming to his home. He knows that Jesus is capable of healing him without even laying hands on him. It's a sense of certainty or confidence in God's ability in the circumstances. The gift of healing is a supernatural working of the Spirit of God to bring miraculous healing and deliverance from disease or infirmity. It is the unwell person who receives this gift. They are the one who is healed. In Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and 12, we read, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Of course, the power to heal has never, was never with the gifted person themselves. The power to heal is from God, but he does work through people. Similarly, the gift of miraculous powers is demonstrated when we know something is not humanly possible. When someone is brought back to life after they've been um, pronounced dead. There is where, this is where God steps outside the barriers of the laws of physics. For example, in Matthew chapter 14, we read that Jesus took five bread rolls and two fish that were given to him by a child in the crowd and he turned it into enough food to feed well over 5,000 men as well as women and children with 12 baskets left over. This was not humanly possible. It was a miraculous experience. The third group of Holy Spirit gifts are the gifts of speech. It's the mouth of God through prophecy, through tongues and through interpretation. The gift of prophecy is the ability to speak into a person or situation to bring God's direction and wisdom for the future. It builds up and encourages. It doesn't mean that it never contains any rebuke, but there is always a building up and a restoration wrapped around it. As I mentioned earlier, prophecy claims to be the direct word of God. So it's important to note that the Bible tells us to test all prophecies, not just to take them without checking. So a few questions you might ask yourself if someone speaks a prophetic word over you is, does it measure up to what I know to be true in the Bible? Is the character of the person giving me this prophecy reputable? And is it uplifting? The gift of tongues is the ability to speak out in another language where your conscious mind takes no part. That is, you don't know what you're saying, unless, of course, you also receive the gift of interpretation at the same time. 1 Corinthians 14 says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. It may be another earthly language that you have never studied or a heavenly language, which basically sounds a bit like gibberish if you were to be listening on. Now, Pastor Sean talked in more detail about this last week. So if you missed this message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because he gave a great explanation of being filled with the Holy Spirit, including receiving the gift of tongues. 
And following on from this is the gift of interpretation of tongues. This is making plain what has been uttered in tongues so that all may be edified or built up. It was first recorded at Pentecost when a sound like a great rushing wind filled the house where Jesus' followers were meeting and they began speaking in unknown tongues. People from many nations who lived in the city started to gather to see what was going on and said, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. They were able to interpret what was being spoken in tongues without a prior knowledge of that language. The main point to remember is that these gifts, all of them, are for the common good. They do not elevate one above another. They are to be sought after. We should seek after gifts, just like we'd like to get gifts for our birthday or Christmas. We should be excited to have these gifts. And they are packaged and delivered in love for the building up of the church. If I can ask the worship team to come, please. In a book called The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts, Sam Storm states, that's very hard to say, Sam Storms states, it's like a tongue twister, spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external to himself. They are not some tangible stuff or substance separable from God. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us. In energising our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills and working his sovereign and gracious purposes through us. So how do we get these gifts? We ask for them and we give opportunity to use them. It's no use praying for the gift of tongues and then keeping your mouth shut. When Jesus asked Peter to walk on water, he had to be prepared to step out of the boat. And it is the same for us when we feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to use a spiritual gift. We have to be obedient and take that first step of saying or doing whatever he calls us to do. Sometimes events in our life can cause us to suppress our gifts. And other times our circumstances lead us to operate more strongly out of one or two of them. But they are always there. For example, if you're always told as a child to be quiet, potentially if there was violence in the home, then if you have a gift of teaching, it may be suppressed for many years. Many of you will have heard of a televangelist named Benny Hinn, but you may not know that as a child he had a stutter. When someone suggested he could be a a preacher, he laughed. But he obeyed God's calling to preach. He still had his stutter right up until the moment he stepped out onto the platform for the first time. And it was at this point that God miraculously healed him. Are you prepared to step out before you know exactly what's going to come next? If you don't think you have any spiritual gifts or you're not sure what they are, first of all, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what gifts he has given you or the gifts he wants to give you. If you want to, you can also complete a spiritual gifts assessment online to help give you some direction around the areas of ministry or church life you might want to get involved in. I believe there should be an address on the screen of a spiritual gifts test if you would like to do one. 
Sam Storms goes on to suggest, if we spend less time searching to identify our spiritual gifts and more time actually praying and giving and helping and teaching and serving and exhorting those around us, the likelihood greatly increases that we will walk headlong into our gifting without ever knowing what happened. Now, I'm not saying you have to do all of those things, but you will know the areas that you are drawn to. You will start to see the areas that God has gifted you in. The spiritual gifts I've outlined today are not a definitive list or something designed to pigeonhole us into a specific gift or area of ministry. Always remember that these gifts are given by the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit for the edification or the building up of the church. They are not for your benefit necessarily as for what God wants to do through you for others. God will gift you and call you beyond your own natural ability so that you can't boast in it. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. John Bevere describes grace as God's empowering presence that gives us the ability to go beyond our natural ability. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he says, I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, although it was not really my own doing, but God's grace working with me. If you're already aware of some of the gifts God has given you, I encourage you to be sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, obedient to what He asks you to do, and humble in watching the way God chooses to work through you always giving Him the glory. 